Let's pray. Dear Father God, we just thank you for this beautiful day. May we never forget this, his holy ground, Father God. The land, the building. It is our safe place to gather, Lord, and be vulnerable with each other, Father God. May you be glorified today. May our eyes see in ways they never saw. May our ears hear truly as it mentions in your word. Father God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give it up for the worship team, everyone. So they are using their talents to serve the Lord so that we can gather in a safe place and grow stronger together. For those that are new, I just want to say a special good welcome. Friends and family of the Open Door Christian Church, it's so good to gather on this holiday weekend. For those that are visitors and maybe here for the very first time, a special thank you to you. I remember when I was the new person, didn't even know maybe what to wear to church. And uh, there's fears with that. Not growing up in a certain denomination, I didn't know what church to go to. But I'm so thankful you're here. Some of you might be wondering, who is this guy? My name is Jason Shorn, and I'm just um, one of the few um, Recovery Church servant leaders. We have a ministry on Friday nights where we welcome people with any background that are willing to clean up their lives, and we come beside them. We help them get sober. And in the process of getting sober, we hope they fall in love with Jesus Christ, as many have done. And then we ask in return that that one day that they give that back. And uh, a lot of those members will sometimes come on a Friday because they aren't quite ready to go to the Sunday church, but a lot of them will make their way to the Sunday church as well. So those people are actually going to church not once a week. They're going twice a week, if not more, and meeting with other people. And that's what the Bible calls us to do, to meet in fellowship, to be in community. So that's a little bit of who I am and why they've asked me to speak. Pastor Steve gets to go... um, get full again, gets to recharge his batteries. Um, here we go, our message. So we just left one season, the gratitude season, the thankful season. And I don't know about you, I hope your morning starts with not just being thankful one day out of the year, not just one week out of the year, or one month out of the year, but waking up each morning and thanking the Lord for the gifts that you've been given. And one of my favorite ones to share with people, and I shared this with first service because I truly mean it, is my ability to breathe through my nose. I am so thankful for that. Okay, Because I suffer from allergies and sinus stuff, and when I cannot breathe through my nose, I don't sleep well. And when I don't sleep well, I don't enjoy the day well. And when I'm not enjoying the day well, I tend to treat the people I love the worst. So a good night's rest is really, really good for this, guys, for this person. But we're leaving that season. We're coming to the new season where we've learned a long time ago that it's better to give than to Receive. receive. But it is okay to receive. At one time in my life, they said, keep coming back, keep coming back. And I came to church, and they just kept loving on me, and I kept coming back, and they, and they kept loving on me. And eventually I got to the season where I could start giving back. 
And it's okay to give and to receive. And it's really, really important if you're giving to come here and recharge your batteries. And God is a good God. You might come here with little watch batteries and then he'll upgrade those to AAA batteries and then he'll upgrade them to AA batteries and then there'll be size D batteries and you're spiritually getting recharged, right? So you can last a little bit longer. But we do need to come and get recharged with our community. The coolest part is if you keep on this journey, God will not only take those D batteries, he'll replace them with a trunk full of batteries, but it's still important. We've got to recharge. And this is just one place where we can recharge. And hopefully by the end of service, you'll find another place where I can challenge you to recharge your batteries. So what season are you in where you can give back your time, maybe your talents, maybe a resource you have? There's a season where you can give one, if not all three of those. So we're changing into a new season, but now we're going to come up with a challenge. So what? for those that don't know, I'm actually a school teacher. So old school teaching says, everyone raise your hands. Everyone raise your hands. Hey, I got you guys to raise your hands in church, just like worship music, right? <laughs> All right, that's old school thinking, though, okay? That's old school thinking, okay? Now, when we challenge kids to, do you have an idea... Your hand's up here. Raise your hand. Everyone make a fist. Now bring it to your chest and hold it there. Now I'm challenging you. So when I'm communicating with my students, it's between me and them. Not to the people to the right. Not to the people to the left. You guys are good listeners. First service, put them down. So thank you for holding that. So I'm going to ask a challenging question. And this is not for me. This is between you and God. If you consider yourself a Christian... Put up one finger. That's it. One finger. This message is for you. For those that are visiting, you can put your hands down. Those that are visiting and have a closed fist, number one, thank you for your honesty. Someone loved you enough to tell you about the Open Door Christian Church. Someone loved you enough to get you here. Or maybe you love somebody that calls themselves a Christian. But you're here today. Now I'm going to read God's Word. This is straight from Jesus in Matthew 7. You can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for those many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult. And hear me, please, especially you visitors. This is not your going to hell message. This is a challenge to those that put one finger up, that called them a Christian. Later on, in that same book, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. If you raise the finger and you called yourself a Christian, you're one of those few workers. There is more harvest out there than there is workers. You have a challenge. When you take on the title of Christian, you have a challenge of becoming a disciple, to mentor someone else. And that's what's beautiful in the recovery process. When you get to the end of the 12th step, it doesn't say you're done. It says repeat it with somebody else. Take someone else under your wing and mentor them until they're ready to go mentor someone else. In Christian language, it's called being a disciple. 
And this could be scary for some of you. I'm not ready to do that. I remember the first man, man I sponsored. He was seven years older than me. And I looked at him and I said, are you sure I'm younger than you? And he said two things. Jason, one, I want to get better. And number two, one day you're going to go to the doctor and your doctor is going to be younger than you. Okay? We all need a mentor. It does not matter what age that mentor is. We need someone that's pouring into us so that we can pour into somebody else. Can I get an amen? Amen. And don't be scared. What I've learned from the classroom is the teacher learns more from the students. Some of you have not been teachers, but many of you have the title parent. Have your kids ever taught you a lesson? Let me reword it. Have your children ever reminded you, you don't do what you say? Have they called you out on being a hypocrite? It's okay, we're human. That's our flesh. But it happens. So when you venture out and you're ready to take on this role of discipling, okay, God will provide for you, even when you have no clue what you're doing. So I'm going to be reading... Two passages today. Both are in 2 Timothy, and I love this. So I read the New Believers Bible. Okay? So those that want to open up their Bibles to the New Believers, it's page 1,168. I love when I can say the page number, because the Bibles aren't the same. But it's 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're in a series right now, and what Paul has done is wrote a, a spiritually charged letter with a set of directions to Paul has written a spiritually charged letter to his son, Timothy. But it's not his biological son. It's his mentor son. And he knows that he may never see him again because Paul is sitting in prison in chains. He is receiving punishment for believing in Jesus Christ. So that's the setting. So verse 1 in chapter 2. Timothy, my dear son... Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. I am so tired of hearing in the everyday world, God won't give you more than you can handle. If God didn't give me more than I can handle, I wouldn't be here in front of you. I'd be out there handling it on my own. God gave me more than I can handle. He broke me, and I got to the point where I needed help. Have you been there before? There's no more of this, I can carry it on my own. We need help. And God reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 in the armor of God, Paul's letter also says, the final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. He doesn't say be strong in yourself. He says be strong in the Lord. If you're doing it on your own, why? We have the creator of the universe working for us. He sent this Holy Spirit to live in us and Jesus already died. We are in the greatest time in our life. We get all three parts of the Heavenly Father. I am so thankful that I got to live on this earth after Jesus rose and the Holy Spirit was sent. Do you know the Holy Spirit lives with you if you welcome him? Wow, that's amazing to me. Verse 2. This is Paul again writing to his son Timothy. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now... When? He didn't say tomorrow. He didn't say a year from now. He said what word? Teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will then pass them on to others. 
That is the 12th step in the recovery process, giving it back. Did someone pour into you when you were in youth? And those seeds got planted and you're back here helping the next generation of youth? Someone gave back to you. And as a school teacher, there's one word I don't like, and I should because it should be a celebration. The word is graduation. So many times I'm in my classroom talking to my kids, and they're getting confirmed, and confirmation to them means stop, I'm done. It's completed. The work is over. And then they go on in their life, and then eventually maybe they have a family of their own, and they start doing it again, and then they bring their kids to confirmation. And the process repeats over and over again. So we go for church for a period of time, but that's not what this means. I don't like the word graduation. I don't know if you've ever had a mountaintop spiritual experience. I've had a few. And I spend the rest of my time for so long trying to recreate that spiritual experience. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Give us the head nods. The best part is when you become a mentor or a disciple to someone else, you get to experience their spiritual top for the very first time. So my question to you, do you have a, a range of mountains of spiritual experiences that you can go back to when you're living in the valley, when it's tough? There's nothing better to see someone change their lives right in front of you. There's nothing better when their eyes lighten up and they go, Jason, I get it. I surrender. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. There's absolutely nothing better. Verse 3, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So this is Paul again talking to Timothy, and I go, what did Jesus say? He sent out his 12 disciples. So in Matthew 10, Jesus tells his 12 disciples, Twelve disciples, there will be suffering. Jesus gave the same message to his disciples that Paul is given to Timothy. When you take on the title of Christian, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be hardships. People are going to look at you differently. They're going to hold you to a new standard. But here's the cool part. Since they're suffering, we get to go back to the Holy Spirit. God will fill you with his power, not our power, so we can get through that suffering, so that we can share our faith with other people. Next part's going to get really weird. It's going to be awkward. I'm warning you now. First service, they even got quiet. Verse 4. Soldiers don't get tied up with affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officers who enlist them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labors. Verse 7. Think, Timothy, about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand these things.
friends, family, and visitors, that was only 60 seconds. Did you meditate on God's word? Or did you get distracted? So often, we read a Bible verse, a passage, we check it, maybe say a prayer, and we move on so quickly. God asks us to sit in his word, be still, know I am God. I just challenged you for 60 seconds to sit quietly and be alone. Personally, I have to close my eyes, or otherwise I see you guys. And the kids making noises, we are so thankful you are here. There is nothing better than a child making a noise. Those families have their children in here hearing God's word. So beautiful. Verse 7, let me repeat it, and this is why we did it. Think about what I just read. The Lord will help you understand these things. So often we come to church and we want the pastor to tell us what to think. God says, read my word. I want you to think about it and listen to my voice. Verse 8. Always. When? Okay, that wasn't very good. Always. When? Remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. At all times, you need to be prepared to give your 30-second testimony, your three-minute testimony, or your lifelong testimony. You need to be prepared at all times to be prepared. As a child growing up, questioning my identity, I always wondered if I was born in another country. Where Christianity wasn't the main religion, would I still believe in Jesus Christ? And this is the question that I am prepared that anyone asks me anywhere. It says, why do you believe in Jesus Christ? And it's a very simple 30 seconds. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose from the grave. Over 500 people witnessed his life after resurrection. Can I get an amen? amen? So when someone asks you why you believe in Jesus Christ, are you prepared now for a 30-second testimony? That's all you have to say. But what's even better than that is tell them your real testimony, how you were a broken mess over here, hurting, and you found Jesus Christ and he built you up because he gave you a community of believers that supported you during your mess. Can I get an amen? And that's what my church did for me. They came beside me when I was broken and searching, and they loved me, and they just said, keep coming back. Are you prepared to give your testimony? Amen. I like that one back there. Verse 9. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. That doesn't sound good to me, but the Bible has one of my favorite words in it. You guys ready for this? The word but, and kids, you can laugh too. Okay? The word but, because it negates everything that was said before that. And it says, but the word of God cannot be chained. The word of God will break through your hard hearts and change you for a lifetime. It will give you a new eternity if you allow it to. If you come here with an open mind and say, God, have all of me, not part of me. See, when I gave him just part of me, I got better for a little bit. Then I went back to doing what I did. What I really wanted was for my problems to disappear. Anyone do that version of Christianity? I'll come long enough to tell my problems clean up. Okay? Walk in the faith is kind of like showering. You need to do it every day. 
Okay? You can't just come for a little bit and get a little bit of sprinkle. You have to shower every day in your faith. You have to get recharged. You have to get re-cleansed daily. So keep that in mind. So another word I like, I always like these these little words that just interrupt everything. The next word is so. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory to Jesus Christ to those those God has chosen. I realized when I was asked to come up here, I prayed about it. Are people going to know now I'm a Jesus freak? And I said, yes, I'm willing. I have coworkers that are going to find out I'm up here preaching. I hope they come into my classroom and go, tell me more about that Jesus. Okay? So where do you go and you can share your faith? First, you can start in your home. Then you go to your workplace. What about your social circles? We just got done with hunting season. I think it's done. Do they know that you're a Christian? Are you willing to share your faith? How about when you get together and you cook those Christmas... You don't cook cookies. You bake those cookies. Do they know you're a Christian? Are you willing to share your faith? Verse 11. I'm going to change God's words a little bit. They use the pronoun him, but they're talking about Jesus. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to use the word Jesus. Give me permission. All right, we're going to do it anyway. Verse 11, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with Jesus, we will also live with Jesus. I don't know about you, that sounds like my baptism. When I went into the water, I was dead, I was broken, and I was empty. When I came out of that water, I said, I am willing to live with Jesus Christ. It wasn't to check it off to say that I'm going to heaven because that's not what the Bible says. Baptism says that I am committed to Jesus Christ and I'm willing to carry out his mission here on earth. I'm willing to be that good soldier and that disciple. I'm willing to take other people under my wing. But I still let people love me in the process because I need someone to pour in me. Verse 12. If we endure hardship... We will reign with Jesus. Jesus told us it's not going to be easy. If we deny Jesus, he will deny us. Guys, there's going to be opportunities God presents himself, and you have a choice. Do I share my faith or not? And if we're being honest, many of us have missed the mark on that one. And I have missed it myself. But what I do when that moment happens, I go, God, I'm not going to let that happen again. That was a learnt lesson. So when that next opportunity comes and you can share your faith with someone else, please be vulnerable. Please be willing to share. Verse 13, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. God is a promise keeper. I don't know about you, but I rest in that. He's a promise keeper. He loves me. I am a child of God. Yes, I sin. Yes, I make mistakes. But I am a child of God. Verse 14, it says, remind everyone about these things. And I don't know about you, but when I was preparing this talk, I'm like, I think we were all over the place. So what am I supposed to remind him, God? And here's what he told me. First thing I want to remind you that he said, we are, we have a responsibility as Christians. We need to walk out our walk in faith and tell people about Jesus Christ, that he lived, he died, and he rose again. Can I get an amen? amen? And when we're doing this, we have to remember we're not doing it on our strength. We're doing it on his strength. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in us that will guide us to give those words. No different than I sat down with that first man and I was trying to help him change his life. 
He says, Jason, I just want to get better. I just want to get better. I don't care that I'm older than you. I want to get healthy. And part three actually comes from last week from Pastor Steve in the first chapter. God gives us a spirit of power and love. We need to walk out our faith and power and love and not of fear and contimity. We cannot live in fear. Now, there's a good, healthy scare. I don't know if I'm going to do this right, but don't worry. That's where we trust in the Lord to give us the words when we're empowering someone else. So that brings us, that feels like a message in itself. But Pastor C says, go on, Jason. I said, okay. So that brings us to the second passage. Okay. My Bible is called the approved, uh, approved worker. In other Bibles, it might be saying dealing with false teachers. And we have to be so careful. The church you choose, does it line up with what the Bible says? Those that mentor you, do their words match what the Bible says? We need to question it as Christians and be prepared to give our testimony. We have to be prepared to go, I don't think that's quite right. So I am going just a little bit backwards because we get our first warning in the second half of verse 14. It says, command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. And at first when I was reading this, my brain went to gossip right away. Doesn't gossip ruin relationships? People close and afar, don't we steal their character? That's where my brain went, but I go, no, that's not the context of this one. Isn't Paul writing a letter to Timothy? He's saying, don't argue over the words of the Bible, and I've been in conversations where people get into debates over what the Bible says. Is that bringing any glory to God? To me, I call it splitting hairs or tomato-tomato stuff. Let's get to the point. And if time allows, I would have had us read the Apostle Creed. That's what we need to agree on. What the Apostle's Creed says, those are the things that we rest on. Let's not split hairs over the little details the rest of the way. And it scares me, because I don't know about you, but how many denominations of churches are there? <laughs> there should be one, but how many is there? Too many. Why is there so many denominations? Because they start arguing over the words of the Bible. We read it this way, we read it that way. And it breaks my heart. One of my dreams, I never said this, is I want one VBS for all Kanduai County. Every church coming together and serving one God. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wow. Never said that out loud. Verse 15. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. I don't know about you, but when my time on earth is done, I can't wait to meet Jesus, and I hope, and I hope I live out, and God says to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let me say that again. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Is that your goal here on earth? 
to hear those words at the end of your life? That people remind you, remember you as a Christian that served the Lord, that loved other people and taught people about Jesus? I don't know about you, that sounds pretty good to me. Verse 16, we take a turn. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Our second warning from Paul. And I don't like this because this worthless, foolish talk only leads to more godless behavior. The nice thing is Paul actually gives us examples. I'm going to let you read 17 and 18 on your own. It's about two people that once were following the way and then turned their back on God. They said, you know what? The resurrection has already happened, but that's not what God's word says. The worst part, those two people not only turned their back on God, they said, you know what? We're going this way. Come along too. Remember where that gate was narrow? Those are those false teachers. That's why we need the workers to go out into the fields and disciple others. And that's what's so hard. When we start debating the little details of the Bible, all it's doing is causing division. And I don't know about you, I can win a debate. Some of you might call them arguments in your own house. And you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and you might have won the debate. You might have won the argument. But you lost the relationship. Ponder that, adults. Have you had that argument with someone you love? And did it actually bring you closer together? Paul warns us twice. Stop the foolish debates. Verse 19. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord, in all capital letters, knows who are his And all who belong to the Lord must turn from evil. And I went back to one of my favorite passages. This is the righteous people that think they're better than everyone else, right? But they're following all the laws of the church, this type of deal, the law, the old laws, and they think they're better than everyone else, and they're really quick to point out your sins. And in Matthew 25, verse 44, these righteous people say to Jesus, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? or thirsty, or strange, or naked, or sick, and in prison, and not help you. And then Jesus replies, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Back to verse 19, the Lord knows who are his. He knows when you're carrying out his work here on earth. Verse 20, sorry mom, you're in the house. I cannot relate with verse 20 at all, okay? In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made out of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are good for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. Guys, I grew up in a home where we didn't have two sets of dishes. I'm just going to say that. But you know what? I'm okay with it today. For the, I now see people with two sets of dishes. That's great, but I just can't relate to it from my childhood. But what I can relate to is verse 21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. 
Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. If you read another one of um, Paul's letters in Ephesians 2, Paul writes, You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so you can do good things he planned long ago. You can go from an ordinary dish to a special dish. You are God's masterpiece. He created you for a unique setting at the unique time. That's awesome. My sister did a wonderful job at a Thanksgiving, and guess what? We have special dishes. It was awesome. Some of them are plastic, but that's okay. Verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates your youthful lust. Hopefully I don't get in trouble, because I have a confession here. Every Friday to my high school students, when they leave on a, on a weekend, I say, run from temptation. So that you can stay safe and sober. That's what I tell my students every single Friday. What's Paul say? Run from anything that stimulates your youthful lust. It's not just sobriety, you guys. It's whatever it may be. Gambling, sex, over-shopping, overeating. What is your sin that you keep running to? Not all my students know I'm a Christian. But I share my faith in little indirect ways because I've been called to be a disciple in this world. But here's the cool part, continuing in verse 22. Instead, instead of running to the sin, okay, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Those are just three fruits of the Spirit that Paul also writes in another letter. It was so awesome preparing this message for you because I got to read many parts of his letters. And put them all together. So it goes on to say, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Guys, enjoy other Christians. Spend time with other Christians. Let them empower you and build you up. 23. Again. When? I guess that's not the right way to say it. But for the third time, Paul says... Don't get into into foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Remember those arguments where you lost the relationship? Remember those debates where you split hairs of both littlest details that drew no one one closer to Jesus? Remember those tomato-to-model things? It goes on to say in verse 24, "A A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone and able to teach and be patient with difficult people. We must be kind. Going out saying you're going to hell, I don't know if that's winning people over. It's not how I've been called. What I've been called to do is have a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship where I love them unconditionally. When they say things they regret, say things they shouldn't say, do things they shouldn't have done, I still love them right next to them, shoulder to shoulder. It's what works for me. I was told ladies like to sit across from each other and look into each other's eyes. Men a lot of times like to be shoulder to shoulder. We want to go change the brake pads together. You need to do what works for you that you're growing the kingdom. And then 25, just a soft reminder here. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then, I love these simple words, 
Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. It's so hard when we're loving other people and we find this out in our own families. Can we control them? The more I try to control anyone around me, the worse my relationship gets with them. The hardest part is when we love people unconditionally, we do not control the outcomes. We are only responsible for spreading the message of Jesus Christ to other people and that he loves you unconditionally. Jesus is responsible for the outcomes. What's so hard for us, you guys, is we don't know if we're the first seed that got planted or the 35th seed that got planted. For me, I can think of at least three men that took time out of their life that poured into me, that got me here on this stage today. You never know if you're planting the seed, watering the seed, or if it's going to blossom right in front of you. And this is where we pray, we ask for God's guidance and wisdom, and then He takes charge of the outcome. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, what a passionate letter from Paul to Timothy to carry out the good message, Father God, to be the good soldier, to be the proved worker, Father God. We have a responsibility as Christians to teach God's word to others, to carry out our testimony so that people can see that we're walking in light. We need to walk in a way, Father God, that people go, there's something different about this person than a week, a month, a year ago, Father God. And I don't know what it is, but I want to see what is happening. Father God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this safe place that we call home. It's in Jesus' beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Next, Let's give it up for the worship team, everyone. You guys may or may not know it, but you are discipling others. When I first started attending church, I'm like, they play four too many songs. Some of you might be able to relate right now. But the first time I ever felt the Holy Spirit was during worship music. And my hand made it to my heart. And I felt God's presence. So thank you for guys what you do. What a fitting song. Go out and tell people. I just want to remind you guys in Paul's letter in Galatians, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ Jesus that lives in me. That allows us to go out in that new creation, being that masterpiece in loving other people, teaching them to love Jesus so that one day they can turn around and teach other people to love Jesus. Let's stop this graduation ceremony of Christianity, and let's carry on our journey. Let's fight the good fight. Let's continue to come back, you guys. We want you back next week. There's chairs still available, so there's room to grow. The harvest is ready. The workers are few. We need you, but I'm going to leave you with a challenge. I want you to ponder this tonight, tomorrow, and have an answer by next week. Does your community influence you? Or do you influence your community? Because if you take on the title of Christian, your responsibility is to go out and tell others. We love you. We thank you. And I got good news for you. We got one more song. Thank you for being here, everyone.